Welcome back for another week of Last Ones at the Bar. This show, we'll be recapping this big boxing weekend. We're going to talk about the likes of the Errol Spence versus Ugas. You had Isak Cruz versus Yorkis Gamboa. Uh, Stanionis Butayev out there in Texas, that huge fight card. And then you also had the fights out there in the UK headlined by Ben and Van Heerden. Uh, my name is Will Henry, and I'm accompanied by greatness. Uh, we have the Seven Cities Phenom, a.k.a. Star Power, and Daniel Lee. We got the Eight Mile Protege predictions, you know, on point. We call him, you know, Master P because he always gets the predictions right. His He's also goes by the Midwest, um, you know, legend. Got more pull than a game of tug of war, and that's Lavelle Jackson. Fellas, uh, how it goes with this week? Oh man, exciting boxing week. Uh, you know, pretty good week overall. You know, celebrating Resurrection Sunday um, for people who celebrate that thing, and um, just also enjoying all the fights that came on that was on yesterday. Um, it, it, was, it was a few surprises, you know, some that I didn't think were televised or actually televised, you know, so uh, positive week. Yeah, man, it was a pretty good week. Um, busy, but but good. I'm, I'm trying to do a better job at managing everything. And this week was one of the weeks I got it to as close as right as possible. And, and like Vail said, it was some good boxing on. It's always good to have a pay-per-view fight where you don't really mind paying for you know what I mean because sometimes it's like it's just like top heavy but this man from top to bottom even the non-pay-per-view portion where there were some good fights there too so solid man yeah man I, I love these weekends man you know when you have those fights over there in the UK I remember a couple of years back you had the Spence he was fighting against uh Kill Brook and then it was a big fight car later that night then I remember when Anthony Joshua faced Vladimir Klitschko early, then you had a big fight over here that night. So those weekends are just um, ones that, for me as a huge boxing fan, that you live for, you know, really, really good night of boxing. Um, well, we'll get to all of the, 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 the stuff regarding that. We also have NBA action that's going on. I don't know if you fellas checked out any of these first round games, but I do have a question for you regarding the NBA. Um, and that is in this first round, you got some really good matchups. Do you see any of those matchups, you know, ending in an upset or anything like that? Or are there any matchups that you're looking to see more so than the others? I thought that the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies game was really good. That's going to be a dog fight the whole series. I don't think that the Wolves are going to come out of that, but I I hope it goes seven, and I hope we get six more games like we got for, for game one. You know what I mean? But um, I see that being good. I don't know if I see any, any upsets, to be honest. Um, but I'm very excited about the Celtics and the uh, Nets playing too. So, you know, it's some good. It's gonna be some good games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's considered an upset because of how they look at the team, but but actually based on numbers and the record, Brooklyn is actually the underdog versus Boston. But I think uh, I, I think Brooklyn will, will upset Boston. I could see that. I, I wasn't even thinking the upset for that reason, but yeah, I could I could see that happening. Yeah, it's gonna be a dog fight, you know. You got both of those squads, they kind of loaded, you know, especially uh Brooklyn with that offensive firepower. To me, that one can go either way. Um, but I'm also I'm like you, Danny, when it comes to that uh T Wolves versus Grizzlies, those some young studs out there going at it, you know what I mean? It's just it's like watching like basketball back in the day, you know. Speaking of dogs, yesterday you had one on full display out there in Dallas, Texas, in Earl Spence. Vail, uh, you know, getting to these fight cards, what did you think about the truth last night? I thought it was a very impressive point, uh, uh, very impressive performance. Uh, I think the nutritionist paid off very, very well for, for Spence. Now, this fight was for the uh, unification of, uh, the WBC and W and IBF titles that Spence has and the WBA title that uh, Ugas, you know, has. Um, Errol Spence came in this fight. I mean, 
you know, it, you could tell the ring rust was a little bit there. You know, the first couple rounds, uh, it took him a minute to get his offense going. Um, but I like that he started, you know, started off the jab and, and utilizing that jab, pretty much trying to, you know, will himself into becoming that old Spence. Um, so Ugas pr pretty much won the, I had Ugas win the first round just based off of uh, lack of relevant uh, activity, really neither, because Ugas really didn't uh, get his offense, get some uh, game plan going at, at any time. I mean, he threw some, you know, some good punches throughout the fight, but he was picking, I believe he was picking his shots a little bit too much uh, and standing in front of uh, Spencer uh, a lot you know, too much. Um, now, Ugas, he was very, very tough, but um, it seemed like he didn't, he was very, very reluctant to use any type of angles or movements. And at first, it, it was like a pride thing, like standing in front of Spence saying, like, hey, look, push me back if you can. I, I think I'm stronger than you. Uh, and for a minute, you know, Ugas really wasn't going back. And Errol Spence, you know, was landing his, his you know, his, his shots that he always land. And, and I'm not sure if, if Errol sensed that, man, Maybe I could hurt this guy. Maybe I, I, I can't. But Ugas wasn't really going backwards at first. Um, now around the, 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 I think it was around the fourth round, uh, the act, Spence really upped his activity. Uh, and I noticed that Ugas really didn't do anything to mitigate that. Uh, knowing he didn't really have the, 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 the punching power to really match Spence's, he really didn't put up an offensive front to really give Spence too much to think about. He had some some single counter punches that he was throwing, but it wasn't enough. And Spence was just using the, you know, utilizing the jabs and going to the body, you know, his body shots, you could tell it was taking a toll on Ugas, you know, making him drop that that head. And Ugas had that high guard, but you can tell that uh Spence was doing a great job of throwing hooks around that high guard, um, uh, things of that nature. Um uh, the punch started to take the effect on uh, Ugas midway into the to the fight. Um, and, and it, the, the, in the sixth round, um, uh, seemed like Spence kind of, you know, Ugas threw this shot that, that I guess the, the, uh, Errol lost his mouthpiece and lost concentration for a minute. He thought the referee was going to stop it. And Ugas, you know, caught him with a couple shots that kind of, you know, buzz, uh, Spence a little bit, you know, but Spence, you know, he has that strong chin, uh, he got back in there and, and, um, it seemed like Ugas really didn't capitalize on that too much. He just, you know, did it just to do it. Uh, and, and you just knew that this, that next round, the seventh round, that, that dog was going to come out of Spence, you know, and it came out of Spence. He really, really put it on Ugas in that seventh round. And it was only a matter of time, like, to the, up to that point, it, it, pretty much everyone knew that it was only a matter of time before uh, Ugas' body gave in. Uh, because even if he, was, he wasn't going to drop, I mean, it's, some of that is just too much punishment for anyone. Uh, so around, yeah, about the ninth, the 10th round, uh, really earlier than that, they start checking out his eye and stuff like that. The doctor and obviously, you know, he couldn't see out that right eye then, but the doctor kept letting it go on. But the 10th round, the doctor finally just said, you know, it's enough and, um, stopped the fight. Uh, now Errol Spence, he improves to uh, 28, uh, and no with 22 knockouts, uh, your Dennis Ugas, falls down to uh 27 and 5 you know 12 ko's um i'm pretty sure ugas you know he can still come back and do some things uh it just won't be dispensed i mean he's still a tough guy to, to fight against and you know he'll be okay you know uh spence you know he, he said in the, in the post fight interview there's only one fight out there for him right now and he wants that car for fight i was i was happy to see it i was i was very very you know excited you know might sound weird, but I was so excited. Man, I had a dream, literally had a dream last night that I actually went to this fight. And I was walking into the arena with my popcorn to see this fight. That's how excited I am about the just the possibility that, that this fight seemed like it can, it's going to happen. But overall, it was a great performance by Errol Spence. It was a, uh, it, it seemed like he didn't lose a step. Uh, just had to knock off some ring rust. Uh, it was certain points in that fight, he looked like the, the Errol Spence in the, uh, Kel Brook fight, so very impressive performance. Very impressive performance. Uh, before I get started, I'm gonna give my normally, you know, you did a really good job, but this was such an exciting fight. Two highly skilled combatants uh, that fought last night. Shout out to Ugas for putting up such a great fight. 
Um, but I don't, I'm not so sure that he's going to be okay after this fight. You know, we shall see because he's 35 years of age for one. And then two, he might've been better off just getting knocked out because he was taking some brutal, brutal shots. And again, leading to this fight, that was the reason why personally I thought that he wasn't going to be successful against Spence is that he just sits there too much. Now he's a good counterpuncher against somebody who's not as good as Spence. He might be able to take advantage. I'm not so certain now because he, he had a lot of um, his career beaten out of him yesterday, but he's going to always, you know, bring, give you 110%. He's just that type of uh, person, that type of fighter, that type of warrior. Now, when the fight started, I gave a prediction, another prediction, a recap last night after the fight. But the one thing that I noticed when the fight started, I was a little bit skeptical. I thought that Spence might have a little bit, might have a little trouble because he looked a little skinny to me um, at the weigh-in. But, you know, I was wrong. But when I knew I was wrong is when he had the enough mental capacity to come out to South Side Surrealist. When he came out to that, if you lived in Dallas, you've been in Dallas, it's certain songs that are just anthems. And it's just certain music that they play is going to get everybody amped. And if you're from there, you're going to have a tough time messing dealing with somebody from Dallas when they play. And there's so many people who, now that song is more of a joyous type song. You know what I mean? So you might not have certain incidents take place, but man, go to South Dallas and let that play. Go to Oak Cliff. Go to, you know, some of those areas like that. Man, I'm talking about they get crunk. Southside, the realest, drug dealers, killers, sharks and gorillas. Hope y'all hear it. Man, come on, man. But anyway, go on, Spence, but go ahead and, and, and coming out to that song, man. You, 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 the, you the truth for real for that. Now, as far as the fight is concerned, um, I thought that, as you stated, he was a little rusty, you know, coming out the gate. But I thought that he won, like, the first two rounds because he was just punching a little bit more effectively than Ugas. And then around three, I thought that he was winning as well, but Ugas landed a couple of punches at the end where you could have made the case that Ugas, you know, won round three. And then round four, five, I thought that I gave Spence those rounds. I just think that Spence in most categories, he's just a little bit better than Ugas at what he does than what Ugas does. Then like you said, the sixth round was kind of, man, it, it was crazy. Because Spence was winning around, but then he had that lapse where he's his mouthpiece. I don't know if the punch hurt him. And then he ended up, you know, going back to the ropes looking for his mouthpiece, or he got hurt afterwards, or if he was hurt at all. Because he does like these little movements sometimes where he look a little bit off balance. You're not sure if he's hurt or not. And the other reason is I've seen him take punches that appear to be heavier than the shots that he was taking. And he took those without looking hurt at all. So I don't know, but he, he needs to not obviously worry about your dang on mouthpiece until a referee breaks you up. Um, and he acknowledged that, but like the truth that he is, another guy with the heart of the line came up the seventh round. And that was what I call a heck of a bounce back round, man. He was hitting Ugas with uppercuts. He was just beating the H-E-L-L out of Ugas the seventh round, you know? And that showed me something. I'm like, I, I, had, I hadn't seen that, you know, he only had the Garcia fight after the accident, but that, when he ramped it up, I'm like, my man, man, it's back. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he still has some lingering effects from the accident or being off and, and, and whatnot, but he showed me like that A-level gas in the tank that he had. Like when he upped the ante, started throwing those punches and crunching body shots, it was a thing of beauty. And then um, round eight, he was still cooking. Round nine, like I said, the referee ended up stopping the fight. Uh, Daddy, you just reported that Ugas has a broken orbital bone, which is ironic because that's what he said he was going to target on Spence, you know. So you had a, a, a 180 there. Tremendous win for the truth. Um, like you said, it's going to set up that, that Terrence Crawford fight. Based on what I saw yesterday, unless Spence, that's going to be a remarkable fight. That fight could go either way. Truly, truly a 50-50 fight. If I had to choose right now, I would lean a little bit towards Crawford, but I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Spence. That's my boy. That's my dog right there. Um, but it's just it's, it's a few little things. If he's able to shore up some of the times that he gets hit, because he gets hit a little too flush, and Crawford is a sharp shooter. 
And I know that he's, he'll be seeing that and he'll be attempting to take advantage of that. But also Crawford sometimes his chin, I, I just, it bothers me that once he gets hit flush, you know, he, his legs do a little bit of a, a dance. And I don't know if Spence will be able to take advantage of that. And that might be what doesn't end against the truth. But all in all, I think it's too early to be talking about like any prediction or anything like that. I do a little bit more of, you know, uh, checking out footage of these guys. But right now it's all about the truth, man. Superb win, good show, uh, remarkable boxing, remarkable body punching, just bone breaking shots that he shoots, man. Shout out to you, Spence, man. And um, yeah, that's my take on what I saw. Yeah, the result itself was predictable, but it was a very exciting fight to watch. And, you know, I knew Ugas would come in the way he did, but it's just levels to this. And I thought that this was as good as Spence has looked since before the accident. It might have been even better, honestly, because now he comes in with a with a chip on his shoulder. Um, it was just a massive, massive performance. He fought like a created player almost, you know, like, yeah, he was a little bit came in a little bit kind of like excited, throwing some wild punches at the beginning, a little bit of ring rust, like you guys said, but uh, not a whole lot of mistakes overall. Um, and, you know, everything that he was saying coming into the buildup of the fight was true about his condition and about his mindset. I liked his aggression in his fight. And he he doesn't have that one-shot knockout power, and that's not a knock on him at all. He just has that power that, that'll wear you down. And it honestly makes for... And, you know, maybe even a more exciting fight than a one-shot knockout power would be because that, you know, when you have people like Ugas fighting back, then it, it just makes for an exciting two-way fight. According to the CompuBox, uh, Spence landed 216 out of 784 punches. Uh, 70 of those were body shots. And that's one thing that he did well. And um, I think that, you know, we're not going to get to the prediction like you said, but that's one thing that could trouble Crawford down the road, assuming it happens. And he landed 192 power shots. Ugas landed 96 out of 541. And I was thinking, but one could argue, like, the accident was terrible. The injury, the eye injury was unfortunate. But it may have actually benefited his career. For one, the nature of them, they weren't structural in a way that they inhibit his, his boxing ability. It's not like he has some kind of orbital bone fracture. I believe it was like a, something involving the eye itself and that surgery corrected it. And then um, they also basically helped him to preserve some years on his boxing career. And, you know, mentally he admitted to being a little unfocused after all of the success prior to the accident. And I feel like the injuries humbled him and put a chip on his shoulder that that we hadn't seen in a, in a while. And I think this is the best version of him yet. I think there's a true 50-50 fight against Crawford, assuming it happens. He said all the right things in a post-fight interview. He's no longer talking that side of the street talk. If you think about it, I mean, I feel like it, assuming this fight happens, delaying the fight to this point would have been worth the wait. Because there are now bigger implications. It's for all the marbles at 147 pounds. It's one of the most highest stakes welterweight fights in a while. Because even Manny, Pacquiao, Floyd, they, they never were undisputed, if I recall correctly. And so now there's bigger implications. And Crawford looked very good in the Porter fight. And, you know, Porter had some name value. So it's not like Crawford's coming off a mean machine fight or, you know what I mean, or like a... Jose Benavidez fight and Spence put up a massive performance against 40,000 fans. And so this is the peak of the fight. They're not, they don't look like they've fallen off at all. And so I'm very excited. Honestly, if they, when they name the fight, they could just take my routing number, you know, whatever I'm, I'm in there. I, I got <laughs> my money. Right. Whatever you need, routing number, CVV, whatever. I'm, I'm there. You guys got anything else? Can I add a few things? Because I, I want to build off something that you said, uh, in addition to like the accident being a blessing in disguise, I think in addition to what you said, I think it also helped him in terms of his lifestyle. I don't think that 
you know, there was rumblings that he was doing a lot of partying and stuff like that, and that he was just living that, you know, hanging out all the time lifestyle, ballooning up in weight, 35, 40 pounds heavy, you know, so some of those things he doesn't do anymore because he knows that things can be taken away from you, you know, with the blink, with the blink of an eye. And so I think that that helped him in that regard as well. Now, I always thought that Spence, his name, not only in the ring is he the truth, but the person is the truth as well because he's a man of his word. He said what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to go ahead. And when people were listening to what he was saying, they because people always try to poke holes in what you say. Oh, he said he's going to do all of this. Why do you just don't fight now? it make more sense to go ahead and get all of the belts. Why would you fight Crawford and then you still got other belts hanging out there? Okay, these guys are on my side over here. I can go ahead and get these things done. I don't have to worry about the cross promotion type stuff. I can go ahead and knock all of these things out. Then we can come to the table and we can make it happen. The only drawback for him is how long is he going to be at his apex at that weight? You know what I mean? Like the longer you wait, it's just naturally that it's going to start taking something from you if you continue to try to keep making that weight for so long. Like Mayweather, that was the benefit that he had was that he can fight at 147 pounds and he walk around at like 152. You know what I'm saying? So he's fighting against dudes who have to drain themselves down and he has that 15 round stamina and he's facing these dudes who are draining themselves. Um, but yeah, man, he, like I said, he's always been a truth, man. He, he's going to tell it like it is and, and do what it is that he say that he's going to do. Last thing I'm going to say is this. As far as the fight, see, we are in an age now where everybody is on social media who have opinions that they want everything right now. Oh, he, he's not fighting him. He's dugging him. Where in the past, you didn't have all this social media stuff. And you dudes just fought... Um, people who were like the number one contender, they'll fight this person. Then they'll negotiate to make the fights happen. It wasn't this microwave type of, you know, urge for people to just fight this person, fight that person. You ducking him, you duck. It wasn't that sort of thing. Like this would have made more sense before like the Mayweather era, because I think people always keep looking at him and Pacquiao and how long it took for that fight to happen. And they don't want other people to go in that same direction. And so they want them to fight so quickly where, like you said, these guys still in their prime. I think they probably the best version of themselves that they possibly can be in this moment. And so now it's time for that fight to be made. Yeah, now I like to ask something. You brought up something interesting, Danny, about the, the uh, surgery to his eye that might've helped him. And I, I looked at it visually, I remember beforehand, I wonder if he did have eye trouble before that because he used, you know, he had that droopy eye. But look at him yesterday, he didn't have that droopy eye anymore. So it, that might have helped his vision even more, you know. Uh, so it'll be interesting down the stretch seeing where he goes. No, he still got that lazy eye. <laughs> but the, the thing about his, his eye being better is that he said that the way they repaired it, that it's stronger, that it's stronger than what it was before. And so, you know, good thing for him. But he don't want to keep getting, you know, he was getting tagged a little bit. That's the only, there's two things going into the bug fight that concerns me for Spence is that he still gets tagged a little bit too much, a little too flush for my liking. But that's too, though. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that when Ugas was doing a little bit of boxing and moving, that's when Spence was having a little trouble, you know, connecting early on, but then once he figured things out, then that's when he, the Dugas was staying in there more. Like after the fourth round, he was trying to counter and he wasn't moving, but that's something that Earl predicted as well. Um, where I don't know, Terrence likes to fight too. That's the thing, like he's a, he's a game dog right there, man. And so it's just gonna depend, man. That's gonna be a beautiful fight to watch. But yeah, they both have flaws that each person can exploit. And I'm very excited to see how that happens like especially you know i imagine crawford's gonna fight in southpaw in that fight and um you know a good portion of that fight and i i'm i'm just super excited like i can't, it's hard to even put into words how exciting this fight is gonna be assuming it happens yes yeah, it's, it's interesting and i know we, we said we weren't gonna predict it but the only thing i will say about this fight that, that 
I can't see this fight going the distance. I don't think it goes the distance, honestly. But we'll say our, our predictions for, for in the future. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I can see it going the distance because here's the thing. You got two killers in there. You know what I'm saying? So they can go either way. Now, if somebody gets hurt, I don't think it's going to go the distance. And if somebody gets hurt, they can kind of turn the tide, too, because the other one's going to be so aggressive. These are two pit bulls, man. Like, if any one of those guys, like, see any type of um, weakness or something that they can exploit, they're going to target that, and they're going to try to get the other one out of there. But it's going to be a highly skilled, you know, fight as well. So it's going to be a thing of beauty. Yeah, highly skilled. And both are, are, are clutch. And I think that the clutch is going to be the key to, to you know, winning this fight. So, yeah. Where, where are they going to have it? Are they going to have it in Dallas Stadium? Southside the Rivers? They can have it in Dallas. They can have it in Vegas. Whatever way. Yeah, that's the round of play that Southside the Rivers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nah, he may, he may come, if he gonna have it down, he better come out to uh, what was that group back in the day, Nemesis. <laughs> That's for your time, man. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, no, nah, that's that's uh, it's gonna be a good. Oh yeah. Now moving on to the the co-main, we had Isak Cruz back in action after his tank fight against Uriokas Gamboa, who was back in action after his. 2020 loss to Devin Haney. Uh, what'd you guys think of that? Uh, you had old Isai Cruz, you know, he came in the, in the ring, you know, eager to put on a show, you know, as he always do. And I, I mentioned this on my, um, when, when I gave the recap yesterday, Isai Cruz, this this little bartender that I go, I, it's this little spot that I go to on Fridays. And he, he don't really speak English that well, but he doesn't play. He doesn't play any games, right? So if you want something, you tell him you want this particular cocktail, you better be ready for it because it's going to be strong as I don't know what. It reminds me of Esau Cruz, like his demeanor and everything. And like I say, he just gets to the point. Esau Cruz get up in that ring. He's just going to go ahead and start letting you have it. And you better be prepared for what's coming to you. You know what I mean? And so um, when the fight started, first round immediately, Esau Cruz landed a left hook, Gamboa was like, legs was wobbly, he was drunk, you know, from the start. And that was like, really a telltale sign of what you was going to see for the rest of the fight. I don't think that he knocked um, Gamboa down in the first round, but he definitely had him on shaky legs for most of the fight. Second round, Gamboa, what he did, Gamboa, man, you got, this is another Cuban that you got to show a lot of respect to. Gamboa hung in there, did everything that he could do in order to survive. Um, second round, he knew that he had to try to get some type of respect from Cruz. And so he was sitting down more on his punches trying to get that respect. And actually, Gamboa was in that fight. He was most successful in that second round. But Cruz is just too young, too vibrant. He, um, two left hands, sat my main man Gamboa down again, or for the first time, I should say. And Cruz is just, just going to town on him. Now, Going into this fight, I picked Isak Cruz definitely to win the fight because I knew Isak Cruz wasn't going to give Gamboa the opportunity to rest in those times when he likes to go ahead and just move around, um, hold, and things like that. Isak Cruz is going to keep punching. And that's something that Devin Haney and Tank Davis didn't do because they're just a little too arrogant, too cocky. They figured that they were just going to wipe the floor with Gamboa. But Isak Cruz has a different... Um, game plan when he comes in. It's no, he doesn't have a plan B. It's it, Everything is just coming there. I'm going to throw these punches, these hard, heavy punches, and see if you can handle it, you know? And that, that's just the, the, the fight that he, he chooses to fight. Round three, um, he dropped Gamboa early, man. And then it just seemed like Cruz started getting a little bit tired or he wasn't throwing as many punches as he was, but he still was putting that pressure on, that mental pressure. Round four comes around, another big right hand hurt Gamboa, dropped him, put him down. Round five, you had, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, by the time I made the round five, I'm like, bro, please stop this fight, man. Please. Like, I, Gamboa is showing all the heart in the world, but at the same time, this is definitely not good for his health. And luckily, Cruz landed like a big shot referee had to come in there and stop the fight. So it's an excellent win for 
the little fella, I think it's like 5-3. Um, but like I say, really, really solid victory. Did what he was supposed to do against an old veteran like Gamboa. Um, like I say, hats off to Gamboa, though, man. Like, he showed as much heart as you possibly can show in a losing effort against a person at this stage of his career where he's outgunned. He, he just showed a lot of heart. And in that fifth round, again, what he was attempting to do is he knew that it was just a matter of time. If I just keep taking this type of punishment, I'm not going to win. So he bit down on his mouthpiece, and he was just going to go and tit for tat with Cruz as much as he could in order to try to get a knockout. But like I said, that, that little fella just got too much um, in his arsenal right now. You know, that, that Uzi, he was letting off that Uzi, you know, and right now, at this stage of his career, you know, Gamboa had maybe a 22, a little pellet gun, you know what I mean? So it just wasn't going to end well. Referee stopped the fight. Uh, great win. Now, I'm seeing that Oscar De La Poya, he said, man, I, he, he, he taking the money out of his pocket. You know, he like he had a, had a, a dice game, you know, putting his money on, on, on the ground. He said, I got a million. He said, I got a cool million dollars uh, for Isak Cruz to fight Ryan Garcia right now. Now, based on what I've seen from both guys, Ryan has a shot because Eastside Cruz is going to be coming in there, you know, um, and he's little. But I'm telling you, he might not want that smoke right now because that's a little buzzsaw. That's a little Mexican buzzsaw right there that you don't really want to be messing with unless you are going to get him out of there. Now, Eastside Cruz, that is the issue that I have. He's a one-trick pony. That's all he's going to do. He's going to come in there and he's going to fight, throw them punches, but that's a little strong tugboat coming at you and he's going to keep coming as long as the fight is in progress. Now, Ryan Garcia has the ability with that lethal left hook to catch him with something because, again, Isai Cruz leaves himself open. At least he was doing that against Gamboa. Now, he did show a little bit more... Um, of an ability to adapt when he fought Tank because he didn't want to get hit by that shot. So maybe if he fights Ryan Garcia, he'll be weary of the left hook and make sure that he's not getting clipped by that left hook. But I'm sure at certain points he will. Um, it's just a matter of not being able to take that one that could like knock you out or um, take too many of them. But he better knock him out because if he doesn't, He's just going to keep beating on, on Ryan Garcia. And I know Ryan Garcia wouldn't be able to stand up to no dang on Eastside Cruz for 12 rounds, especially with the weak set of whiskers it appears that he has. Um, and even if you don't have a weak set of whiskers, that's a tall order for anybody, you know, no pun intended, you know, short as Eastside Cruz is. But great win for the young man. Um, I think he's top five in the lightweight division. If he's not top five, he's very close. Um, I like his chances against a, a lot of the lightweights. I just think they're going to be good matches. You know what I mean? It, it could go either way because um, the lightweight division right now is on fire. But he's another person who's um, igniting the ignition to the smoke that we have out there in the 135-pound division. Great job, Isak Cruz. Yes, sir. My guy Isak was out there looking like a lightweight. Deontay Wilder for a second, the way he was throwing them punches from from way out there but you know um he did it because he knew he could you know he caught Gamboa early he knew Gamboa didn't have much for him except to really defend himself and after he caught on with that body shot around three I was like you know what I'm just I'm just gonna be surprised anytime any round after this the Gamboa survives I'm just gonna be surprised and I was surprised for another round and a half and you know he did what he had to do and I do think that the fight against Garcia, if it happens, I like that De La Hoya himself was kind of talking and not, you know, Garcia as much. I mean, Garcia talked, but it was kind of after, you know, De La Hoya said what he said. And so that is a good indication that, you know, maybe this will actually happen. I also don't know if this is a fight that Garcia wants right now because the only thing worse than fighting – one bullet head fighter is fighting two back to back. You know what I mean? And uh, what I noticed in that Garcia fight last is even though Tego couldn't take advantage of it, he still was dropping that, that, uh, that guard a little bit too much for me. And you can't really afford to do that against Cruz unless you're going to knock him out. 
Cruz is like that. Uh, what's it's the bluefish off Super Mario? I think the one that there's the one that that kind of like patrols back and forth, and then there's the one that sees you. And he comes directly for you, and the only way to get him out is to kill him. Like that's that's what Isak Cruz is, and I think it would be a good fight. I think it would be Garcia's toughest test to date, and it would be on the level of who we want to see him against. Um, and honestly, it don't matter as much if he wants it or not, it, it's time for that. You know, like he can't get away with underwhelming performances against underwhelming opposition. And so I'm ready for it. That's all I get. <laughs> well, uh, it's great, great breakdowns uh, for uh, this fight. Um, one interesting thing that, about this fight, I mean, we kind of could see they would probably go this way, but you saw Cruz hurt. Eurokis Gamboa in just about every round of his fight for the five rounds that it happened. I mean, he heard him constantly and, and kept going. And it was almost like Cruz didn't, didn't see anything from Gamboa that was going to make him stop. I mean, he came in pretty wild. And, and that, that was even different from the way he fought uh, Javante Davis, who, of course, Davis is a murder, murderous puncher. And even though Cruz... Uh, did well taking his punches. It was a few times where Cruz kind of backed off a little bit and, and he wasn't making the same type of mistakes. Uh, against that boy, he could afford to be that wild and make some, you know, some uh, offensive mistakes. Um, but but for Gamboa, I mean, I, I, at this point, I think it's time. I mean, it's like how, how many times are you going to keep on on seeing this, you know, seeing and 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 Gampoa is type of fighter. He has that name, and, and a lot of lightweights coming up trying to make a name for themselves, or even ones coming off a loss, they're going to try to still, you know, pick on Gamboa. You know, and it's just like, I mean, at some point, he, you know, he's forty years old. At this point, the people around him should, hey, you know, I can't tell him what he should or shouldn't do with his career or his life, but I mean, how many times are we going to keep seeing him against these, you know, against these fights in, in these type of fights? But moving forward for Isaac Cruz, of course, I, I even heard that Garcia was, was calling Cruz out even before this fight happened. Uh, and, of course, De La Hoya put up that million dollars. Cruz, you know, he's kind of like whatever. He's not necessarily saying that he, he, w- he will fight, you know, uh, Ryan Garcia. But I think that would be a good fight, you know, for him. And, and even for, for Garcia, it will answer a lot of questions. Uh, it, it's going to be an exciting fight. Uh, and I think it'll, it, it, it'll probably even play out different than, you know, Isaac Cruz will face a different type of, different set of problems than he set, than he faced against Tank because, uh, you know, Tank is a harder puncher. Garcia is, you know, he's faster and he can hit, he can run and cruise into these shots that he don't see, especially when he's, you know, throwing these combinations. But at the same time, within those combinations, I think that's when Cruz has a chance to, to catch Garcia. So I, I think this fight actually might look similar to, you know, um, Amir Khan versus Marcos Maidana. I think it's going to be a, a fight like that. But, you know, it's one of those fights that fight fans, you know, like our, ourselves, we want to see. Uh, anything else you, you guys want to share? That's a fan. Uh, you know, boxing is, is coming back to promise. That's a, a good fight. You know what I mean? It's a good matchup. You know what I mean? It can go either way. It's, you got contrasting styles. You got short guy, taller guy, you know, all of the different dynamics that makes one intriguing matchup. Now, um, as far as Cruz doesn't speak much anyway, you know, I just think he looks like one of those guys that just wants fights. Like he likes to fight and he'll get in there with anybody. So I don't see him turn out a million dollars for no Ryan Garcia because, you know, he grew up in Mexico City, humble beginnings, you know? So, you know, I don't see him not want to take the fight, but here's the thing. Yesterday, that was the Cruz. When, when Cruz jumped on the scene to me, was against Diego, I think it's Magdaleno, the Cowboy. Yeah, he did the same thing. He came out first round and he was just winging those punches and he caught Magdaleno cold early and then he just kept throwing those punches until he knocked him clean out. And so that's the approach that he took against Gamboa. Now, again, against Tank, he showed me something because he shows some defensive responsibility and along with the aggressive pressure that he puts on, because even if he's being defensively responsible, he's still putting that mental pressure on you. It's a little bit more difficult to keep bagging up 
against somebody like that. Now, what a guy could do, I wouldn't advise him because he got them short arms. Somebody could try to stay inside and land some shots as he's throwing those wide shots, like clipping with uppercuts and things like that. If somebody is skilled enough where, you know, I, I bring up Floyd, but Floyd used to do that against some of those guys where he'll just kind of, you can't really throw because he's, he's in so close. And so, but he can get his shots off where he's smothering you. And so if somebody can do that, I can see them taking another approach. I just don't see a guy out there who has that type of skill, who does that on a consistent basis. Maybe somebody like a Shakur Stevens may do something like that to Devin Haney, but I don't think they'll give Cruz that many opportunities just to stay there in the pocket, you know, and fight him at his game. But again, great win for the young fellow. Yeah, great win. Shout out to Isaac Cruz. Now move along, there was a, uh, also a welterweight fight that, that was on. Uh, part of that, the, the Spence Ugas card, but it was on the Showtime telecast last night. I'm talking about uh, Razab Butaev against Amato Stanionis. Did you guys check that fight out? What were your thoughts on it? Hey, somebody's O had to go, and yesterday it was Butaev. It was a, it was a very good fight. We knew it would be. I thought Stanionis did an excellent job of standing behind his jab. His jab was just stiff all those punches had some thump in it you know uh when i look back at some of his older fights he didn't really do anything different and butayev didn't do anything different either but it was beyond me why butayev didn't work more on keeping his head off the center line and in this fight camp getting ready for this fight because his head just kept getting snapped back and the only time he was able to avoid getting his head snapped back was when he was too far out of range to be hit, but he also couldn't hit from there either. And so that was a disservice to him. I will give Butayev credit because I saw that his intent was to make deposits to the body throughout the fight to break him down. And I thought that he fought his fight. Like he he was game. He Like I saw his game plan, but Stanionis was just too too game to let that really bother him from what he was trying to do. And so, you know, again, Stanionis was able to really create off of that jab and, and caught up with some devastating hooks as well. And, you know, he, he made it and he won the decision. Now, one of those cards was very strange to me, um, but the right, the right thing happened and Stanionis is now technically Lithuania's first world champion. And as a WBA regular champion, he is in theory in line for a shot at Spence's WBA super championship. But I mean, there are bigger fights to be made for Spence and I don't see that actually happening, but if he can remain the regular champion after presumably Spence or Crawford or both of them move up, then I imagine that sometime late next year, he could fight for the then vacated belt at some point. But that said, you know, I don't know what his future will hold outside of that because, you know, there's a jam. There's sort of like a jam in the in the WBA because of all the belts kind of being held hostage. Well, held hostage for the fighters who are trying to get those mandatory shots. But, uh, but it was a good fight. And, you know, I think that he's one of those fighters that he has a potentially bright future. I think that there's not a whole lot of wrinkles in his game and, you know, coming across, the, coming across the wrong opponent, that would be exposed more so than Butayev could. But I think that he's going to be a tough out for anybody though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Somebody's old had to go. Uh, so we have Butayev coming in this fight. He was 14 and no uh, 11 knockouts, um, five for 10, 72 inch wingspan. Stanionis, he was a, uh, 30 and 0 with nine knockouts, five foot eight with a 68 inch uh, reach. A lot of difference in this fight was uh, Stanionis. He, he was just landing the sharper punches. Like his punches was having, you know, more effect on Butai on uh, Butayev. Butayev was, uh, you know, kind of being affected by the punches, even though he was punching with him. And also, I think the weird thing was Stanionis' face was was showing the damage that that, Bu- that he was putting on Butayev. You know, it was. I thought was really, really interesting. But one thing I like about this fight um, and the Spence fight and the Tony Harrison fight last week is that the winners of these fights utilize the jab a lot. 
you know, it, it, it showed the basic fundamentals that a lot of fighters, you know, over the years, was, you know, have been lacking. You know, they don't really work off that jab like they should, or they have a weak jab and call it a jab. Uh, and I was just debating with somebody on, on social media about that, about fighters not really having a, uh, working on that jab. And I like to be proven wrong, which I was. You know, uh, Stanionius, he showed a, a great jab, snapping Butayev head back, and, you know, and he, he'll work those hooks off the jab. Um, and, and like you said, Danny, that, that scorecard I thought was weird. I thought Stanionius really won his fight kind of like nine to three. I know there's there some close rounds, but I can't say, like, it, it wasn't like clear rounds that Butayev just won. You know, you could make a case that Stanionius was closely winning you know, most of these rounds. But uh, I, I thought when Butayev started to get sloppy in eighth, uh, Stanionius started to, you know, uh, pick it up a little bit more. But Butayev did start showing a jab, I think, around the ninth round. He started jabbing himself, but that jab just doesn't compete with Butayev. Um, but it was, a, it was a good win for Stanionius. It'll be interesting where he goes from here, like you said, about the WBA regular title. Smith's just defending his title, so he doesn't have to. I'm not sure if he really has to defend it against a mandatory just yet. I mean, he would have to put it on the line for maybe whatever fight he chooses in the future, uh, fairly Crawford. And then if he wins that fight, if, if you know, it's a very big if, he's most likely going to move up. But if he was to stay at 147, then he'll probably fight uh, Stanionis a year from now. You know, I think that's what will probably most likely be happening. It's all granted if. We know it's not going to happen, but just hypothetically, if Spence were to stay at 147. But it was a good win for Stanionis. Uh, he's going to be an interesting guy, especially when you have fighters coming up in the Westway division, like, you know, Boots Ennis and Virgil Ortiz uh, and, and, and another fighter that we might that you would discuss in a minute. It's, it's going to be interesting, you know, seeing Stanionis in those type of fights. I saw um, a pretty, pretty elite guy in my eyes uh, yesterday. You know, I'm just going to give you what I saw, um, if, if you don't mind, you know. So when the fight started, and Daddy, you, you're right, that, that was the big thing. And, and what I like about these type of fights leading into it, as you stated, there was has never been a champion from Lithuania. And so he has a, a pretty big following. I put out my prediction on YouTube about this fight. And when I was reading the comments, a lot of people were like, I'm from that area. You know, I'm rooting for my guy. Where you're from, where Butev is from. And I got Butev. So I like that nationalism spirit of these type of fights. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's huge implications on them. And you just feel the buzz um, based on, you know, the reaction of people who are from those areas, you know. And I can go on and say, I wish that we had a little bit, a lot more pride within ourselves to root for our own as those people do who are from those other countries, in which we don't, you know, a lot of times we are, we'll pick against our own and for whatever reason, but that's a whole other conversation. Speaking of that, you know, I was, I used to like um, one of the guys who was on the undercar, the Riverside Rock, what's his name? Oh, he told Josito Lopez. Yeah, Josito. Oh, yeah, he fought in that fight. He, he, he lost. But the point I'm trying to make is Josito Lopez has Mexican heritage. I didn't want to hear him call himself Rock, Riverside Rocky. You can't think of all of those great Hispanic fighters in the past. You couldn't think of somebody to play off of who was a Hispanic. But that's another conversation. But anyway, getting to... Um, what I saw, both guys, you know, in this fight, and I'm talking about Stanionis and Butayev, that they were fighting at a phone booth, especially the first um, couple rounds. And as you stated, Bill, Stanionis, the, the difference was that stiff jab. Um, and like I said, both guys, they were patiently aggressive, but they were really, you know, um, kind of going at it. But at the same time, they were being responsible, you know. And the first couple rounds I gave to Stanionis. Cause like I said, he's just that, that effective jab. And then as the announcer stated, his punches just sound different, man. When he land on somebody, boom, boom, you know what I mean? You don't want to be getting hit. And again, he reminds me of a, a, a Spence slash um, Golovkin, you know, the way he fights, you know, he, he likes it in there in the close quarters. Now, 
once the third round and fourth round came around, um, Butaev, he had enough of that. So he switched up and he went left-handed. And I still think that Butaev, I thought he won the fourth, but I didn't think he won the third. But he was more effective to me in a left-hand stance. And then um, Stan Jonas, he was still throwing those punches. The mid runs throwing punches with me in attention. I just couldn't give Butaev many rounds, you know, because again, he was just Stanionis was just a little bit more precise and powerful, and and that phone booth that they were fighting in, and round seven it was give or take, um, nine round nine, Buta began to start winning some shots, um, but he looked open, and then Stanionis was still just landing the better shots. You know, round nine, Stanionis started to look a little bit more fatigued. But just down the stretch, I thought Stanionis just did a little bit more than Butaev, but it was no way in the world that fight should have been a split decision. I already knew that Stan Jonas had won, but um, it surprised me to hear one of the judges give the fight to Butaev. Now, I thought that Stan Jonas, man, to me, he's neck and neck with a lot of those. I don't look at him as a person to be compared to like a Spence or a Crawford or anybody like that. I'm not judging them on that because I just think those guys, you have levels in a sense of what the work that guys have put in. So I don't see them going back to fight somebody like him at this stage of their career. Not that they would be ducking them or anything like that. It's just moving on to bigger and better things. You're just catching those dudes at the wrong time. If this is a couple of years back, perhaps you might be able to get a crack at one of them. But now whoever wins is probably going to move up to 154. You may be able to catch one of the, lose, the losers, but I think they're going to be tied up with each other for quite some time because I think that that, those, that fight, Spencer um, Crawford, is so close that you might have a rematch, you might have a trilogy, who knows? So I wouldn't even be thinking along those lines. Now, if you're comparing him to somebody like uh, Boots Ennis, him and um, Virgil Ortiz, that's somebody is going to take about two, three years off their career after that fight because they both just hit too hard and they fight too much in the phone booth. And that, that, that would be like Rams like clashing you know, at each other once again. Um, but to me, it's no more than a 55-45 with any of them because the experience, he's faced the better guy. Like, they don't have a win like a Butaev. And what's crazy is I think Butaev is going to still be a tough out for a lot of those guys. The welterweight division, man, I like to say that that right there, in comparison to all the other divisions, that has to be a 10. Out of, out, of, um, out of on a scale of one to ten, because you just have just think about guys like Rocha that you don't even be thinking about, right? Like that's a tough dude to be facing too, and he's not even somebody that you look at. But again, just all in all, yesterday shout out to um, Amante Stanionis. I like to call him Operation Stanionis. You know, playing off the Outcast album back in the day. You know, great win, Lithuania. You got you a champion, and um, I think he's going to be a major player in the welterweight division. Anything else you guys have on that one? Yeah, the only thing that I'll I'll add a little bit of clarity because I didn't I don't know how my original statement about you know his outlook came off, but I, I do genuinely think that he's a player in the division, especially when you look at probably 2023 moving forward, you're gonna kind of have a changing in the guard anyway at welterweight because um I don't know if Ugas is gonna be the same, but Ugas is 35. Thurman's kind of, even though he's back technically, he's kind of on his way out. I think that, like you said, Crawford and Spencer are going to be tied up and or moving up to 154 anyway. And so who you have left after that, you got Boops, Virgil, you got Stanionis, you got Butayev, you got Connor Ben, for his worth, you got Avanesian, and you got uh, guys like Rashidi Ellis who are, who are young and hungry. And so He's kind of here at the right time in a sense that this is this is now the time for these new welterweights to be making names for themselves. And so, you know, I, I want to give him my respect if I didn't do it before properly, but I think he's going to be a player in the division for sure. All right, so we're going to move along to our last topic that we're going to discuss. Out there in the UK, you got old Connor Ben, you know, the, the young sensation. He was in action yesterday against part-time fighter Chris Van Heerden out of South Africa. Um, what did you guys think of O'Connor? Oh, man. I, I thought he did what he had to do. 
Um, and Connor Ben is it's, it's interesting because he's like his father. He's awkward, but it's not like his father. He's awkward his own way. It, it, it's it's weird the way he fights. You know, um, right away that the, the speed was just on display, man. I mean, just against Van Heerden. Van Heerden didn't even you know get a chance to. Even, he was trying to kind of even see what was going on, and as soon as he, as soon as he just stopped and tried to figure everything out. Ben was just right on, right on him. And it, it was interesting how Ben would, you know, he would come in and duck a little bit and then come in. It, 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 was, it was very, very awkward. And, and and sometimes you can look at that and, and, and see him as fundamental mistakes. But at the same time, that style is going to be interesting to, to fight for, you know, someone who tries to box him. You know? <laughs> it's going to be interesting because it's so unorthodox. Uh, he comes in, he has a very, very wide stance. Um, but but it was it was a good win. He, he hurt Van Heerden uh, pretty much right away. And then in the second round, he pretty much just ended it, uh, put Van Heerden down, um, and the referee just waved it off. Didn't even really uh, think too much about counting. Um, so Connor Ben, he, it wasn't much to, to write about. He, he improved to twenty one and zero with uh, eighteen knockouts, and Van Heerden he he fell to uh, twenty eight and three one and one with uh, 12 knockouts. It's, it's a good performance by, by Ben. Um, I mean, against an opponent that, you know, nothing to ride home about, but his, the, the interesting thing was his style was on just, you know, his uh, awkwardness and how he fights, that, that, that very much is on display. Um, and while he might not just be this top, you know, top guy ever, you know, he may not be, it, it's going to be interesting to see him in these fights where he has this awkward style. In it. Cause it's, it's like, it's not like he's, it seems like it's more of a style than a fun than fundamental state mistakes like uh like a Raleigh Romero or something like that. Uh, it seems like it's more of a uh, this is how Conor Ben fights and it's more of the style that he has, he's adapted. Um, but it was you know exciting guy. I I, I think someone's going to eventually you know if it, somebody's going to eventually te- test that chin, but we'll we'll see going forward. Yeah, the way I saw it, uh, first round. It was going to somebody said this is the second time that he faced the southpaw in his young career. And when I was looking at the first round, uh, Van Heerden had some success in the first round. I actually gave the first round to Van Heerden. He landed a big right hand early in exchange, trying to get that respect from Ben. Ben was coming in, bobbing and weaving, you know, like a little Mike Tyson up in there. But like I said, Van Heerden to me got the first round. Second round, you know, that impression, he kind of figured things out. It didn't take him long to do it. Um, but it just tells me that somebody who can, it's a couple ways you can beat kind of Ben. Anybody you can, y'all going too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, you're irking me with all of this excessive excitement. He has a fan friendly style. Don't get me wrong, but he's Van Heerden. Like, you're supposed to look good against that guy. The way you fight, you're definitely going to look good against somebody like that. Now, second round came around. He clipped old Van Heerden with a punch, hurt him, and then just took him out soon after, as expected. Um, after the fight, I think more so than anything else, he's been calling out um, Kell Brook. I still think Kell Brook might be a little bit too much for him, even at this stage of his career, but this would be a good time to try to take on somebody like Kell Brook because Kell Brook just, he's a whole dog now. So if he's somebody with a little bit too much energy, he might not be able to, you know, um, make it through, you know, throughout the fight. But he's going to be leaving himself open enough where I can see Kell Brook taking him out. Now, again, the interesting thing to me was that I found Amir Khan stepping in the ring, trying to get his, you know, weight up and getting um, a fight with Conor Ben. Now, I think he'll wipe the floor with Amir Khan because eventually he's going to tap that chin, and then that'll be it. But here's the thing, and this is my last point is that they can make money off this kid. He's going to sell out arenas. He has a good personality. He has a fan-friendly style. And the UK just eats this type of stuff up. Anybody in the UK, if you fight somebody like a Stan Jonas, I got, you know, I give you, anybody in the UK who listens, I give you 10 to 1. So if you put in, if we, we put in um, whatever, you know what I mean? I'll give you a 10 to 1 odds on that fight. Anybody, you got to take all bets. Now, because Stan, you know, somebody like that just technically signed is going to beat the mess crap out of that boy. But he has a fan-friendly style, right? So he's going to sell out arenas. Now, 
it, this is going to be tricky for Eddie Hearn. Now, do you continue to put him in against guys that's not going to really help him developmentally? Or do you put him in incrementally against guys he's going to need to face in order to groom him into the fighter that he could potentially be? So that's the trick, you know, moving forward. That's, that's the test moving forward for his handlers. And I don't think Eddie Hearn thinks along those lines. I think he's just looking at the money and that's going to be lead to his demise. But good win as far as the excitement, but it doesn't tell me anything that I didn't already know about Conor Gear. Yeah, I pretty much agree. And I guess I'll touch on the fight a little bit. Uh, round one pretty much let me know how this was, this was going to go. Uh, both men came out aggressive. Um, ben was a little wild at times, but I liked that he was moving his head early. It was almost like organized chaos in the sense that he was picking his times to throw wild, but also knew when to be a little bit uh, smarter. I thought that Van Heerden was fighting smart, and I thought he did come on pretty strong in the first round, but I didn't like that he was so bouncy in his stance because although he was landing, I just knew he wasn't going to land anything of significance. And based on the way Ben was throwing, I, I figured he would calm down and eventually catch up to him. I just didn't think it was going to happen in the second round. And, you know, he caught him. And so that's what it was. It just happened quicker than I thought it would. Um, now, the fight itself, this was more or less expected. And um, But I do like that Hearn was mentioning bigger names than before in the post-fight interview. Like, after the Algeria fight, they were talking Adrian Broner. And it was like, okay, well, that's even a fight. Cool, whatever. I thought that him bringing Khan in the ring made it a little bit awkward because I didn't see where Khan wanted parts of him. <laughs> I think he's wanted to show love, and I don't think that fans even really want that fight at this point. Yeah, if he fights Brooke, th that will be – it's time for him to step up regardless. And if they're going to make money on him, I think that Brooke is a – theoretically easy and a good fight to make in the UK. I'd rather see Brooke against Bam instead of Brooke against Eubank. That's what I do not want to see. Um, but if Ben has that fight and wins that fight, then it's time for him to come on across the pond and fight some of these world-class guys at 147 so we can, we can actually answer some of these questions we got. But, you know, for what the fight was made to do, it did what it did, and so you know, other than that, I don't really have any input on the fight itself. Did you guys have anything else? All I'm going to say is that, for instance, do you see, do you think any of the guys that you mentioned before, Stan Jones, Butaya, um, Boots, Virgil, any of those guys, do you think, what, what you think, do you think Ben would be successful against any of those guys? I think there is a chance for success. I think all of them are going to give him problems though. You know, it's just, I, I think that that that's where, it, that's where like the questions have to be answered, you know, because I haven't seen any type of adversity for him at the elite level. And so, um, and he hasn't faced anybody. I mean, yeah, he's gotten like Granados and stuff like that, you know, but in terms of him having to really get it out the mud in the fight, I haven't seen that yet from him. And so, I do think they're going to give him problems where the, the, the unanswered questions is, is how he answers those problems, you know, how he responds to those, because if he's coming in wild and gets caught and he keeps coming in wild and getting caught, then is he going to be timid or is he going to figure out something else? And I haven't seen the, the other wrinkles yet that he may have that we just haven't seen yet. So I'm not going to give you absolute winners, but I, I think any of those guys you named and give him problems. Okay. Um, I think, you know, that he get, get, you know, who, who he might need to take on is somebody like David Abinasia, uh, or so I need to see him against somebody that's sturdy, like a Idris Kabalaskis, you know what I mean? And if he's doing damage on those guys like that, these little small guys that he's facing that aren't really little real fragile dudes in the first place. So if you like got a little bit of power. And you, like, in your prime right now, you're going to definitely do some damage against those guys. I just think that what I've seen, because I've seen those other guys' face dudes were a little bit more sturdy, and they have success against them. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they're guys that you have to really um, be kind of – so you can't be coming in there reckless against them because they're going to turn your lights off or they're going to do some serious damage to you. 
And that's the concern that I have for him. I just seen this story too many times in the UK. They always had these good dudes that they hyped up about. And then it ends the same way. You know what I mean? To me, he's like an Edgar Berlanga type guy. You know what I mean? Like it was feeding Edgar Berlanga all those first round knockouts, not necessarily working on the things he needs to work on. And now he's kind of stuck. And I just hope that isn't the case for the kid. Go ahead and, and allow him to face a little bit more stiff opposition. You might not have the KOs, you might not have the excitement, but you are actually helping him out. Um, but again, I just want to say this, man. I just think those guys who I just mentioned, those young welterweights, they'll let them have it like a cherry. You understand what I'm saying? Anything you guys have before we wrap things up? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I was trying to get him a benefit of a doubt, but yeah, he, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. That that Crowley guy might not be a bad guy to put him against that, that fought last night. Yeah, yeah, we'll just see. But shout out to Ben, man. You know, hopefully I'm wrong. Um, on that note, very big weekend of boxing. Got another big weekend next week. You got Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champ. And then um, we might have some other fights, but definitely um, check us out. Hopefully like this episode, check out the YouTube page. Danny was active on Twitter. So just check out our, all our social media handles. Um, you all have a great week. Oh, yeah. Peace. Peace. Peace.